Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense with Dr. Bobby Conway. This is a portion of a sermon delivered at Image Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. To hear the full message, head over to imagechurch.live and click watch. Hope you enjoy. I want to talk to you today about wipeouts. I know that it's a term we're all familiar with, and when we hear the term wipeout, we are thinking in terms of somebody or a group that has basically lost control of something in their life, and as a result, it has brought about consequences. And there are different types of wipeouts that we can have or experience, like You've heard the phrase nuclear wipeout. That's a bad one. Uh, that's where everything is destroyed in its vicinity and beyond. I mean, man, that thing will do some damage. Uh, financial wipeouts, you know, like the collapsing of the stock market in the 1920s that would end up experiencing a depression as a country as a result of a financial wipeout. And then, of course, there's the infamous sports wipeouts that we all see on TV in the name of bloopers or people collect videos. In fact, here are some of these sports wipeouts. Let's take a look. Oh, that's pretty bad. That one was painful right there. Can you imagine that? Now, uh, when I was a kid, I loved my bikes. In fact, I I would ride my bikes or skateboards all over the place. You know, I had like a Tony Hawk skateboard, my Lance Mountain skateboard. Uh, I had uh, BMX bikes. Uh, My parents got me involved in BMXing, uh, and I was uh, living in South Orange County, and in Santa Ana, they would take... uh, me up to the tracks, and man, I would be so excited to go BMXing. I mean, it was like the biggest thing ever. Like, here's a picture of Pastor B. Check me out. And note the shoes right there, baby. The vans were still in effect at about, what, nine, eight? I don't know, 10? But there I am on the track going around, and I can tell you that I knew what it was like uh, to experience some wipeouts from time to time on my bike. One time I, I lost my breath in a crash coming around a corner, but we would do stupid things on the BMX. Like I can remember we would set up a ramp and then we would lay as human bodies in, in a line and then you would see how many bodies you could clear. And nobody wanted to be the last body because that means you, know, you get pinched by the, 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 the wheel uh, you know, on the way down. Uh, so, you know, we would set that up and we were doing that stuff all the time, like catching air, going off of a ramp and then going over humans. Not only that, check this out. This is, uh, this is near our house. Uh, this was called the pit. And there's even another picture 
And you can see the hill right there before the concrete. So this is what, I loved this right here, right? Like, I would love to come riding down that pathway, come hauling down that dirt path, drop into the pit, and then jump over this hang, and then come down. That was so much fun. But the, the only problem is, there were a lot of wipeouts in that pit. And if you go back to the last picture, and you can see they filled the pit. And that's because people were wiping out. I remember hearing the story of one person who jumped and ate it big time in there and just jacked his chin all up. Uh, and you know, that's not a good thing. It's kind of stupid too, if you think about it, jumping in a concrete pit. It wasn't the best thing, and we did that without a helmet. I mean, check this out. Like, you think about how, like, protective our cultures today. No pads, no helmet, just air and the bike, right? And it was so much fun. But, you know, how many of you know what it's like to have wiped out in one way or another? Well, all of us have crashed something, right? I mean, I had an ATV as I was taking it uphill, and the thing went back and crashed on my face. A wipeout. Uh, I am not the most graceful guy in life when it comes to, you know, doing sports and stuff. I, I get myself in trouble driving cars, wrecks. I've had some wipeouts. But the real kind of wipeout that we want to talk about today is a moral wipeout. How do we prevent ourselves from having a moral wipeout? You can prevent having a bicycle or a skateboarding wipeout by filling the pit, and you can just you know, go ride somewhere else, but how can we prevent having a moral wipeout in our life? It's important for us even to realize that we can become aware of ourselves to know if we are headed toward a moral wipeout. Uh, what are some of those indicators where God might be trying to wake you up, get your attention, protect you, from falling into a place where you just wipe out, where you find yourself in a bad spot. And so I'm hopeful that today you could be encouraged to just become attuned to where you are with the Lord so that you can be aware of what he's up to in your life, so that you can listen to him as our great shepherd more clearly and hopefully lean into him because we're all capable of this. It can happen to any of us at any time because we're very vulnerable as people. And life can get scary and we can have a moral wipeout out of our own emptiness looking for fulfillment in the wrong places. And this past week with the Epstein files coming out and we're learning all about these different moral wipeouts. You look in the Bible and the Bible is replete. It it records all sorts of moral wipeouts. And you can see that the Bible wasn't shy on letting us know the truth about humanity. In fact, it was G.K. Chesterton who influenced the great C.S. Lewis in many ways who once said, well, the one doctrine that really needs no defense is the doctrine of original sin, right? The evidence is in, guilty, right? We can see it. So I want you to turn in your book, in your Bible, Bible means book, but this is the book. I want you to turn in the book to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a book 
with many books. One book with 66 books. And 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. This was a letter written by Paul the Apostle. And we've been going through a series called The Dysfunctional Church. And we have shared how we need to recognize that we are dysfunctional. That the church is supposed to be a healing center, not a shaming center. That we're to come together and we bring our dysfunctions and all, but we don't celebrate our dysfunctions. We celebrate our God who can work with us in the midst of our moral dysfunctions, in the midst of our character dysfunctions, that he can transform our life. And so as we've been working through the series, we now come to chapter 10, and we're going to just look at a few thoughts this morning as it relates to preventing a moral wipeout, and I want us to consider four such thoughts together, sort of four ways to insulate yourself from going off the deep end. And so pick up with me in this letter, in chapter 10, in verse 1, the first way to prevent a moral wipeout is this. We need to learn from the moral examples of others versus experiencing a moral wipeout for yourself, for ourselves. So let's pick this up and see. For our, I do not want you to be unaware, Paul writes, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So now we already know that he's talking about, you know, the ancestors, the, the, the Israelites who passed under the cloud. They were under that storm cloud. They crossed the Red Sea. They were being led out of bondage. They were being delivered out of, a, you know, just a life of slavery in Egypt after being there for some 400 years. And all passed through the sea, verse 2. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now let me stop for a moment and just say a few words. Number one, it says that they drank from the rock of Christ. And now some of you are thinking, okay, but wait, I thought that Jesus comes in the New Testament, right? Well, he comes basically as the one who was promised as the Messiah who would come and save humanity from their sins. But remember, Jesus existed before he existed. He existed as the second person of the Trinity before he took on human flesh. So he eternally exists as God, as the second person of the Trinity, but then in time he takes on human flesh, and wraps himself in our human humanity and shares in our human nature. Yet, he comes to rescue us. He comes to fulfill the law that we all broke. He comes to die in our place. He comes to take our sins upon him in order that a great transaction could take place, that we could have his righteousness placed on us. He comes to give us a relationship. But they drank from the rock of Christ. I don't think it's because they knew that they were drinking from the rock of Christ in the way that we think of Christ. Because 
when we think of Christ, we're thinking of Jesus in his incarnation, and he had not come in the incarnation yet, so they wouldn't really have a good reference to think of. But I think that what's powerful is Jesus was still at work. Jesus, before he came in the flesh, because he still existed as God before he existed as a human, he was their sustenance in the wilderness. He was still at work. In fact, when you look in the book of Colossians, we know that he was the one that was creating all of this show that we live in. He put it together. So he was at work before we see him in the New Testament step on the scenes in his incarnation. And that's something that we need to realize. It's not as if Jesus just comes into existence in the New Testament. He is eternal. He's the second person of the Trinity. And they were drinking from the rock of Christ. They were being nourished by God himself. They were being spiritually fed. And it says that with, with most of them, God was not pleased. In fact, think about this. Except for two in that generation, Joshua and, very good, Joshua and Caleb. Imagine that. All the people that were being brought out, only two were living it. That is powerful. So if you ever feel lonely as a Christian, if you ever feel like, man, where are the Christians at? Why are so many people going the way of the world? You know what those people wanted? They wanted to go back to slavery. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were delivered, but they weren't acting like they were delivered. Do you know any Christians like that? They've been delivered. They've been set free. But they live as if they're still in chains. They live as if they're still in bondage. They live as if the gospel offers no real promise. And that can be really scary to fall into that kind of thinking. I've been there a million times in this journey. The Christian walk often feels like an ongoing wrestling match of surrender. Can you not relate to Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord? Can you not relate to wanting to taste something in this world so bad because it provides so instantly? Can you not relate to your thirst being quenched for something the world has to offer because it seems as if God is taking a little bit too long? I mean, it was 400 years before they were delivered out of Egypt. But their mental mindset was in place because once they left, they went and all they knew was Egypt. They didn't know how to get comfortable with the new that God had given them. They didn't know how to let go of the past because the past was all they knew. How many of you are stuck in the past? How many of you have been delivered, but you're not actualizing that deliverance? How many of you have been set free by the truth, but you're still in chains? You're still in bondage. You haven't experienced the gospel promises that are on offer for you. That can happen to every single one of us. And God was not pleased with them for their actions. And we'll get into that momentarily. Verse six, now these things took place as examples for us that we might des not desire evil as they did. So they desired evil and the, these folks are our examples, right? So we have examples. Learn from the moral 
immoral examples of others versus experiencing a moral wipeout for yourself. So you're thinking about having an affair. Well, study up on those who've tried it and see how it worked for them. Like get some wisdom before you do this, right? You're thinking about robbing a bank. Times are tough financially. Well, just stop for a moment and consider the consequences of what that could be like to get locked up. You want to, to learn to consider things, to, to, to gain wisdom, so that, you know what wisdom does is it, is it gives us a, a bed of information about God's perspective on things, usually through the lens of other people as examples, whether good or bad, that can help for us in making decisions about our future as we move ahead. And we can glean that kind of wisdom from examples and learn from them. And so we keep reading. What kind of examples in evil were they? Well, they were idolaters. Look at verse seven. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, that's a quote. You could you know, think back to when they were, you know, in the wilderness, God delivers them. And you know what they wanted to do? They brought out their gold, they melted it down, and it was Mardi Gras at Mount Sinai. It was, you know, idolatry in its worst fashion. That scares me sometimes when I think about how prone to forgetfulness that we are. I, it's almost inconceivable to me. Like, to, like do you, do you, you can almost go, really, like they saw God part the Red Sea and they forgot that? <laughs> it's like, you're, you're gonna melt down gold and, and, and build an idol out of that, which, by the way, was probably about this big. I mean, can you just picture them being like, yay, like, like and God looking down like, what is going on? right? You know, check out this calf right here that I got. I mean, a golden calf. They forgot who delivered them. And that's what's so scary. We forget who delivers us. God can do something big in our life. Honestly, I think of the providential encounters I've had with God. They're so incredible through my life. Like we're, it has just been like, Oh my goodness, Lord, thank you. I have wept at things that he's done because it's so powerfully him. Yet, when I'm in pain, I forget it. And all I think about is anesthetizing myself. I don't do well with pain. Pain is what they were in. They were in the wilderness. They wanted to get to the promised land. And they were wondering, you know, where is Moses? But their mindset got them into pain because they were so negative in the way that they lived. In fact, let's look at this and we can see more. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, right? They're making golden calves. Uh, verse eight, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. So they were living in sexual immorality, and check this out, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Now you think, okay, what was going on there? 
right? Well, they were whoring with the women of Moab. And so they were connecting with the Moabite women and they were strictly told that they weren't to be fastened to those that are basically idol worshipers and worshipers of, of pagan deities, but rather they were to be utterly and totally committed to the God who led them out and they were still compromising in that way. And so when you think about this, 23,000 fell on a single day. And we live in a culture today, it says, oh, God doesn't really care about our sex life. Well, 23,000 of them were shanked in a day, right? I mean, that's not a good day, right? I mean, God dealt with, with this. There's consequence. You go, well, man, that doesn't seem right. I mean, why does God have consequences? Well, because they were an example. Remember? What are we on right now? We're talking about God gave some as examples. That's not the kind, like, like we want to be examples, but we don't want to be examples of what not to do. Sometimes I feel like my life is enough of an example of that, right? I'd like to be an example of what to do, how to live, right? That would be good, but they were doing that. Now, there is a bit of a discrepancy because if you go back into the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, it says 24,000 fell, and then 23,000 fell here. So then you go, well, what is it? Well, it could be a few things. Right here in chapter 10, it says 23,000 fell in a single day. So it's possible that, that Paul had access to some extra information, that 23,000 fell in a day, and then over the next several days, others fell. It's also possible, it's round numbers, like if 23,086 fell, and the author in Numbers says, oh, 23,000, but then Paul says 24,000, we do that kind of thing all the time. It's also possible that the 24,000 includes the leaders, and 23,000 might not include leaders. So all I'm doing is, I don't know what the situation is, but there's a way that you can reconcile this when you go through a process that's better than just saying, oh, see, the Bible's wrong. I'd rather trust that the word's right and my interpretation's wrong and give the benefit of the doubt to God than to give the benefit of the doubt to myself and to say that God's wrong. That's a dangerous place to be. So we keep reading about this situation and some of them were destroyed, right? And it says that 23,000 fell, verse nine, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. And I'm thinking, yes, I, I do not want to put the Lord to the test and be destroyed by a serpent. I do not like snakes, and it, it just seems to me like that should be an example right there, right? But the truth is, is that ancient serpent, the evil one, is the one who gets us all the time. So we keep reading here, and they fell into sexual immorality. And in verse 10, nor grumble, as some of them did, and we're destroyed by the destroyer. Now, the destroyer is most likely because that would be the angel of the Lord that would sent out to destroy. And some have said that, oh, that is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ. Got that? So what happens here is they were grumbling. Now, some words just sound like what they are. Like, isn't that one of those words that just sounds like it? Like, grumble, right? Like, when I... He's grumbling, like, like you just can really, like that just sounds like somebody got some concrete uh, or quickcrete poured down their throat and it's starting to congeal in there and they're grumbling, right? 
grumbling. Like, everybody say that together. Grumbling. It's kind of, you can just feel it, right? You just feel the grumbling. Now, the grumbling drove God crazy because they were always murmuring. <laughs> That's another word, right? Murmuring, right? Like, like, that just feels like a problem, right? Murmuring. I don't know about you, but this grumbling and complaining lets us know a couple things. When we're grumbling, we're not thankful. Grumbling is a lack of gratitude. No, that grumbling is a lack of surrender to God's will. It's us thinking that, you know what? I would do it this way. And they did it all the time. Like, hey, here's the better route to take to get into the promised land. Here's the better way to worship. Here's the better way to do things. They struggled with trusting God, so they murmured and they grumbled. And we can do that sometimes. What blows me away is how lenient I am about my own grumbling. God does not like grumbling and complaining at all. Grumbling flows from a negative mindset. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show is sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.